0: So many of you international medical students and graduates have reached out to me to ask about the IMG Roadmap online course. So to meet your demand, I've created a self-paced format of the same seven-module course that is ongoing right now, which is live. And in this course, I teach IMGs how to create their own medical success story. So you learn how to find IMG-friendly programs, how to network, how to find U.S. clinical experience, how to get a strong letter of recommendation, what program directors want to see in your personal statement, how to study and use the resources available for U.S. preparation. I even go into how to fill out the dreaded ERAS application so that you maximize all your experiences and show that forward. Sign up right now at imgroadmap.com slash p slash self-paced. Again, that's imgroadmap.com slash p slash self-paced. You can complete this on your own at the comfort or within the comfort of your own home. And you have my email for consistent support. Guys, I'll see you on the other side. So go ahead and join us. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. As you know, I always try to find the best IMGs I can find out there who come on the show and tell you one or two things from what they've learned going through this hard, long journey, guys. So today I have Dr. Michelle West. She's actually like, I mean, to me, this lady looks like a model, right? And I know that's kind of like a bad thing to say because, you know, as a doctor, I don't want people saying that about me because it just makes me feel like... "Ah, But anyhow, I wish you guys could see her. But anyways, before we get right into it, let me allow her to introduce herself to us. Hey, Dr. West, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. So my name is Dr.
1: Michelle West. I am born and raised in the state of New York. I'm so repping the East Coast. (laughs) I am now divorced, actually. Um, I'm also a mom of three. Um, I have a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old, two girls and one boy. I started out my career majoring in fashion design. So when she says I look like a model, I always like fashion and makeup. And I switched my major to medical lab technology, science, and mathematics when I was attending Nassau Community College. And I graduated there in 2005, and did very well in the lab tech program, also did some research at Nassau Community, went to um, State University, Farmingdale, SUNY Farmingdale, and majored in molecular pathology and bioscience. At the time, honestly, I was a single mom. I had my oldest daughter when I was 21 years old. I was pregnant with her walking across the um, stage when I was getting my associates. But then I met my ex-husband and I got engaged. And we got married in 2008. I graduated from SUNY Farmingdale also in 2008. And then, um, during the course of the marriage, I had two more children and then pursued my master's in public health. Also, still working as a lab tech in various places, and also was a professor at Concord Career College, where I taught anatomy and physiology and microbiology. I also volunteered, I did a lot of volunteering, um, and I took courses outside of my master's degree. Um, like medical terminology. I took some extra physics courses, just you know, various various science courses. And I'm still going for my master's, still volunteering with the Riverside Public Health, also in San, in, uh, San Diego. I volunteered there in the public health, doing some research on the elderly and their um, exercise activities. Then after having my son um, in 2012 and graduated with my master's um, in public health in 2012, I said, it's about my time now to pursue my career in medicine. And I applied to only one school, which is actually Saba. Um, since Saba and MUA are both under the same incorporation, um, Saba is only allowed to accept a certain number of students. So they put my application to MUA and I got accepted at MUA and started in um, September, 2014. Then I graduated MUA in 2014. Nineteen, June of 2019. I did originally match into internal medicine, but then I resigned September of 2019 and uh, reapplied for the match for pathology, which is what I always wanted to do, considering the fact that I was a lab tech and I loved the laboratory setting. And I went into med school wanting to always do pathology. But as we'll go on with the conversation, I can you know, divulge why right. I applied to internal medicine because um it's kind of influenced from a lot of the Caribbean schools. They kind of want you to apply to certain areas and specialties of medicine um, to fulfill um an increase an increased probability that you're that you're matched compared to the other specialties. But
0: I'm glad that you touched on that point right right here, right now, because that's one of like if I had pet peeves, because I'm no longer in the Caribbean school, but if I had a pet peeve as a student, was the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, internal medicine, family medicine was sort of like ingrained in us. To, Absolutely. As opposed to equipping us with the information that we needed to be competitive for whatever else that we wanted to do. And, and, and let's just mm-hmm. talk about that right now, because I feel like there's tons of IMGs who, you know, maybe they message me or, you know, or send me an email and they're specific on, I want to do this and this. I'm like, why do you want to do that? Do you have any other passions? Yeah, I really want to do surgery. But, you know, I was told that I, my chances are really low or I shouldn't even bother. And there's that, mm-hmm. that, there's that talk out there. What do you have to say to that point? Because here you are starting off and I am really always well, your background sounds like. It was just painted for pathology. I mean, you taught anatomy. Yes. Field, you worked in a lab. You would be the perfect pathology candidate, right? So can we just talk yes. about that a little bit, like why I am when you could have, you know, applied into PATH the first time around? Yes.
1: So it's very interesting. In Med Five, I sat with the dean of students. She asked us, it was kind of like an interview, and she asked us, you know, what she wanted to do. And I said, I want to do pathology. And, um, you know, she said to me, well, you know, your scores have to be really high to get into PATH. Now, mind you, you know my step one was a 240, and uh, my step two I ended up getting a 250. I actually was the, I got the dean's award for highest GPA in my class. I finished with a 3.95, and at the time, I also had about three publications. With two of them, at that time, was the sole author, the first author of, and still they said that their bread and butter is internal medicine and family medicine. And, I, and, and that means, the bread and butter means that's what helps us get our numbers so that we can market the school to say, look, we have a 85 or 95% match rate into residency from our school. They need that for marketability. And since, yes, IM and FM are probably more IMG friendly, I would say, go for what you want. Will it be harder? because of, you know, coming from the Caribbean school, I would say, yes, it, it may be harder, but it's not impossible. I would say if you have, you have a plan and if that's what you really want to do, you have to start early. Now The slogan that I go on by is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so I knew from the beginning what I wanted to do. I love Heme Path, and I love Molecular and I love to be in the area of, of um, oncology and hematology. So I structured a lot of the research, literature reviews, and things that they had us do around those areas so that when I go for an interview, I can market myself to say, I truly have a passion for it. And so you have to start early on. I would not let the school or people, because even during some of my rotations, I had a rotation at Emory in Hemoc. I was in a PE's Hemoc. And they, the girl was like, yeah, you, since you're from an IMG, you know, you, you may not get to our program, you know, for, you know, for this, that, and the third. You may get to, you know, maybe a basic community, you know, hospital or something like that. And you know, to kind of have her say that to me, you know, it's it's discouraging to have to, you know, hear that. And you, and you will. You will endure that. You know, you will endure people to put, put that down. But don't focus on anything that the dean says or, you know, other residents have a plan and, and stick to it. If you want to do surgery. Ace your rotations, Do, go, to, go to surgery conferences and show that you're really, you're really interested. And yes, you know, make sure that your scores are also up to par. That's what I would say in regards to that. But there, there is this pushing towards you know, family medicine and internal medicine from the Caribbean school and how I was greatly discouraged and told that my application wasn't good enough for pathology. And I was, you know, shocked, but that's, that's exactly what they said. And (laughs) when I went to my interview trails, I was asked like, well, you know, your scores are actually on the higher side for a path. They probably felt like maybe I was more geared towards something more like the clinical medicine, but it's, that's not what I really wanted to do. I didn't go to med school for internal medicine. I went there to be a hematopathologist.
0: And that's, I think that's a very strong point because even, you know, with the 240, 250, that's a really good score. I mean, that's really, really good. In my opinion, a person with that score, if they do all the other right things, like you said, going to conferences, networking, getting good quality rotations, they can still match into just about any specialty. That's my perspective. I really strongly believe that. But the thing is, the environment that we're in sometimes limits us because we're listening to the wrong voices. And I find that yes. sort of culprit for that. I mean, I think this year, I was just looking at some data. Pathology match was one of the higher, what would be considered IMG-friendly specialties because compared to, when you look at the number of IMGs that match the specialty, of course, IM is always first. Family is always second. PEDS always third. I think between PATH and PSYCH, they sort of were tied up in the, in the 200s, 300s. So I'm just looking at that and I'm saying, People are holding, IMGs are holding themselves back because of, you know, listening to the wrong voices. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the wrong voices are people who we have paid tuition to, to help guide us. And it's not that they're doing anything intentionally wrong. They, what they're trying to do is secure their bottom line. But it's up to the IMGs exactly. to what their bottom line is. The school wants you to match, but the school is not responsible for your destiny, right? So it's up to us to say, hey, right. I want to match as well. But what do I really want to do with my life? I mean, I find it really mind-blowing that someone who has, you know, background in lab tech, background in teaching anatomy, physio, would be told that their portfolio doesn't speak to a pathologist. Like, then who does? <laughs> you, know, and, you know, and another thing you mentioned, which I really want I am just to hear, is starting early. So you're just not going to pop up and forth here and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to apply into neurology. When you have no neurology rotations that you've done, you have no clinical experience with, with a good urology program. You did not even bother mm-hmm. writing a presentation or a report or anything. You didn't even bother to try to you know, find a mentor in that discipline. You're just not going to talk here and think that it's just going to happen. You have to start painting the picture from right. medical school and basic sciences. So all your projects, if you know what you want to do from the very beginning, I think that that is, that is a gift. And for people that know before they go, they're better equipped to plan. Now, for those who don't know, and they're just going to let school decide for them, then that's where you really fall into that trap of you know, being told what specialties pursue. But like you said, failing to plan is planning to fail. I really like that. So I have some more questions. Okay. I have a lot just of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about transferring out of a program. Because okay. I've had, actually this year, I, an IMG very recently reached out to me and said, I applied into the match, I didn't match, but there was a program in the Midwest that called me back to give me an interview, a second interview, because they didn't fill their spots. And this IMG says, you know, I'm a little bit leery to go because it wasn't my first choice, even though I applied to them. And I feel like they're just calling me back because they need to fill their position, And so in our conversation, I spoke with this IMG and I understood the person didn't want to go, but they didn't want to sit out for a whole year. And so one of the things I told her was, I was like, it depends on what your bottom line is. Again, back to that same point. This is a specialty that you want to do, Mm -hmm. you can transfer out to another program of the same specialty if you choose to. But that was sort of like something I never really, I don't have personal experience with. So it would really help if you touch on what that process is like to you know, move from one program to the next without losing your credit for the first year, particularly.
1: Well, I actually did lose credit. My situation is very serious as to the reason why I I left. So I went into internal medicine in in Connecticut. I was there, like I said, I'm divorced. Uh, you know, I was by myself. Now I, I will definitely say, in terms of my my personality and how I put myself together. People go through my, my pictures and my ERAS photo as well. It was very glamorous. And so I, when I got there, I got a lot of, I wasn't so well accepted by the, the other residents. And there was a, a male resident there that kind of took advantage of that and said, well, if I basically followed his you know advice that it will help me get through residency. And I ended up being violently sexually assaulted and I wasn't dating him. But it was just an environment where someone utilized their seniority and their power to to take advantage of me, basically isolate me from everyone and then basically take advantage. The way that the hospital handled the situation was basically it's, it's like they they attacked me for being the whistleblower. And so I went through a whole lot during those months of, of the case. They did an investigation. I had to file a police report and everything. But I was basically asked to sign a settlement. And the settlement included a gag board and everything. I didn't sign it because I did not want that settlement to impede me from going somewhere else. But I said to myself, you know, I never <clears throat> wanted to do internal medicine in the first place. It, it wasn't my first passion. I always wanted to do pathology. So I just used this opportunity to resign from the program and said, and I'll start over. And so that's why currently what I did with my time when I resigned was to go back to the lab and work in hematology. And right now I'm also in molecular genetics and i run the COVID testing. I do the coronavirus testing. I'm very busy right now. There's thousands of samples that are, are being ran. And I, so when I went to the interviews for Path, when they asked me what I'm doing my, with my time, that's what I said, that I'm I'm back in a laboratory setting. I shadow pathologists at my job. I go with them for consensus readings when they go over. A lot of them are societal pathologists. So a lot of it is PAP smears and things, but that's what I've been u- using my time for. Even though he was terminated at first, he got an attorney, filed an appeal and was able to get back to the job I, I would not have been able to be comfortable continuing there knowing that he was there like they couldn't have both of us in the same place so i think when i resigned it made them it made them more comfortable to kind of take him back and maybe put him on a warning they won't necessarily tell me the angle he filed his appeal with but that's that was the end of that that story and so i had reached a bottom where I was um, working part-time and still trying to pay for all of my expenses to travel to more interviews and everything. And so it it was a struggle for these last few months. And then when match day even came, the main match, it said that I didn't match into any positions. And mind you, I interviewed at Mail, Emory, Brown University, NYU, like very, very good programs. And I was so shocked. I had about 20 interviews and I was shocked that, and I ranked all of them and I still didn't match. And I was just like, wow, like, you know, was I blacklisted? Did the program talk um, something negative about me? And then I got the phone call during the SOAP process from um, University of Minnesota. And I was very happy when they gave me an offer. And I also would say it was my mentor, um, Dr. Felice, who spoke with them too and said that, you know, she's, you know, been here since November, you know, and we've worked with her and, um, she's, you know, very eager and everything. And so, you know, she, she's good. And I got, a few hours later, I got the offer, um, after he spoke with them. And so it was a, a blessing in disguise because I actually ranked male by number one. I actually didn't mind moving to Minnesota and I ended up being where I originally wanted so my situation in terms of leaving um was 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 different now if if a person is not sure about the program or they're and they're there I would finish out the first year and then and and then and then transfer or you know actually those you know if it's internal medicine or something those years kind of go by fast I would just you know do what you need to do and you know sometimes you and I tell my kids this sometimes you do what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. And so if, if she's there, my advice would be to, you know, finish, finish the program and then go to where she wants to go after the completion. But I I had to leave. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stay for the first year. So my situation was a little different.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry that it happened. And I know that it's not, you weren't sharing that for sympathy at all. But I just want to let you know that my heart goes out to you. And I really, I believe in justice in one way or the other. People like that would will, will meet with justice. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, uh, that really saddens me to hear that. But I'm excited, though, that through that, you still did not lose your focus. Because Absolutely. Because yeah, so even, even the program,
1: when they called me, uh, my program director, um, Dr. Dolan, um, she said, um how how are you feeling i guess they wanted me and for some reason at that moment i was i was kind of numb you know to reading that i that i didn't match and i said well ma'am i said you know my next thing is okay so what's plan b you know what's next you know and i guess they were kind of shocked cuz you know some people it is a very sad time for those who who you know who didn't and people were shocked to hear that i didn't match they were like wow if your application Led to a an not matched and there's no hope for anyone else. But you know, I was surprised. But I said to her, if if um, you don't accept me, accept me, to your program, then I'm going to go for an advanced certificate in cytotechnology, which still is along the the realms of cytopath and pathology. So that's my plan B. And so I, I said, well, I just have to you know plan have a plan B and still move forward. I can't. You know, wallow right now. You know, I don't, I don't have the time to, um, nor the energy to. So they, they 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 gave me an offer the you know the the next day um, after you know speaking with Dr. Felice, Even though he feels that it was me, he said no, nah, it was your application. You know, if you read your CV and everything, like you're a great candidate. But I, I do want to give him appreciation. You know, for that. And he's a very good uh, pathologist um, as well. Also, I think mean, he's Hispanic, so he's a minority empath. And so it's really good to have someone, you know, like him
0: um, supporting, yeah. supporting me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a story. So let's talk about something, you know, that there's a, there's a sense of when I listen to you, I hear like massive resilience you know, from I mean if I go through your story before going to MUA, knowing what you want and sticking through, going into MUA, graduating, scoring really well, against the odds, right? Being a mom. Yes. A divorce. Um Mm -hmm. but it's like you just don't stop. You know, a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people, oh my God, that's enough for like you know, no offense, but that's enough for some people to have a mental breakdown. I'm talking about I can't focus. I can't keep working. I can't do well on my tests. But you know, despite your external influences, which you didn't choose, right? You don't. Nobody wakes up and chooses to get a divorce. Nobody wakes up and chooses to get sexually assaulted. Nobody wakes up and chooses to not match after twenty interviews, right? So, yeah. can you just yeah. to us about how to build resilience that allows us to say laser focused on what we want despite what everybody else would think. Can you talk to us about that? I keep
1: my vision of my outcomes ahead of me. And and, uh, and I think my resilience started from a child because not only did I have trauma as an adult, I had a very traumatic childhood as well, dealing with the same thing with um sexual abuse. So I think through that, I, I kind of always had this... I had this contract. I had this promise to that little girl that, you know, the little girl that no matter what happens, we're still going to make it. And so ever since I was seven, I had this vision of the type of woman I wanted to be, the things I wanted to accomplish. And no matter what was going on around me, I held true to, to, to that vision. And I think that's where the resilience was really was really birthed from my childhood on. Because, you know, going through all of that as a child and then, you know, college, there's there's so many other aspects that can that 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 can come your way. And another thing that is kind of hard with the Caribbean schools is people feel like, you know, oh, you you have this 3.9 and you got that A on that exam. So your A is going to hinder me from matching. So here comes the competitiveness. Here comes the cattiness and, 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 and bullying and, and stuff like that, which I did go through that, you know, where, you know, the, the, the students just were, were mean and spreading rumors and we're going to talk about her or we're going to do this to try to, you know, get her off track. But, you know, they had no idea that, you know, I was built for this, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I was built, I was built for this and I've been through a whole lot before coming there. So yeah, there were times where it, it hurt. There were times where I cried. There were times I've asked why sometimes I still ask why I still ask, you know, like God, like why me, you know, like what's wrong with me that people can't accept me or, you know guides don't love me you know or, or whatever but at the end of the day there's still a vision and right. and right. I and I hold true to that vision and I do vision boards every year and I base my vision boards on Rebecca 2 and 2 write the vision and make it plain right and I stick and I stick to it because I have a promise to that little girl of the type of woman
0: that I wanted to be right So really what I'm hearing is you're the type of person, guys, and I I want every IMG listening to hear this. You're the type of person that doesn't let a setback hold them back because you have a resolve within yourself that started long before you ever even started the medical journey. And that's sort of been like your foundation. Yes. And
1: and, and it's no, absolutely. You know, if there's, if there's, if there's a volley, that I have to do. Let me, let me dig a canal. (laughs) If there's a hill, if there's a hill, well, you know, let's, let's get this ladder, you know, let's get these things going to climate. Like there's, there's always, there's always a way to still, you know, reach your goal. And, and I, and I keep the eye on my path. I don't, assume that someone else's deeds are going to affect, affect mine. Like, yes, it does hurt sometimes the things that people do do to you, you know, I, and I'm I'm not going to stay here and, and act like, you know, I don't have my moments where I, I, you know, I cry or I'm up all night, you know, just trying to think like, why, or, you know, what caused this, but, you know, at the same time, I, I still have a, a goal in mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Wow. That was like a TED Talk all in one. So I think I'm good for today. I'm not going to have to watch anything on YouTube because I've been (laughs) inspired just listening to you and listening to your story. It's absolutely remarkable. You are a phenomenal woman and very strong person. And I'll tell you that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm so proud of you. I mean, I just congratulate you because here you are finally going to be walking into what you've worked so hard for and have to endure several difficulties just to get to that point. How are you mm-hmm. feeling? Can you tell us how you feel when you think about June 2020 and starting pathology residency?
1: You know, I just think of it as, you
0: know, new beginnings.
1: You know, new beginnings. You know, there's excitement, you know, there's nervousness too because I'm like, wow, like, you know, I'm going to, you know, Minneapolis. You know, yeah. am I going to fit in, you know, as a, you know, Hold up
0: there. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, I'm from New York, so okay. I'm kind of yeah. used to the cold. You know, but our whole swag and our whole movement is, yeah. is a is a little is a little different, you know, and like I said, like how I like I'm very fleshy and, and, and blingy and I heard that people there are more conservative and, and I am not conservative. Like I <laughs> I'm just not, you know what I mean? And so I'm you know, even when I interviewed, they said how you feel about moving to Minneapolis. And I said, You know, I already found a hairstylist. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I thought they would laugh, but I guess it went over their head. But yeah. I was like, well, I already found a hairstylist, you know. So I'm still nervous. Like, well will I will I fit in? You know, will they feel like, you know, she's uh, a little much? Cause even with some of my interviews, like one lady was so interested in my look she said well you you have to tell me this makeup look you know like can you you know and that's what the interview was she asked pretty much nothing about my application yeah. and I was just like oh my god i don't know if this is a good thing or bad oh, thing think, right. like, really yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know but you know at the end of the day i I'm blessed that I got a second opportunity because I was so scared that my career was over based on something that really was not my fault. And so when I, I got the offer and I accepted it, I quickly went to my oldest daughter, you know, cause we're like, we're like friends. Yeah. I'm a mom, but I'm a friend mom. Mm-hmm. And so I went to her and I cried and said, oh, mommy got an offer. And she said, mom, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. And, and so I'm, I'm excited and I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm not going to change who I am because an environment is conservative and that's how I am. I I call myself a leftist. I don't, I don't go right. I want to be myself and, 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 and that's that. No, take it or leave
0: it. Right. Well, I'm excited for you. So one last yeah. thing before we get off um, your interview. Can you talk to us about the soap process? Because, you know, this is a, this is something, again, one of those areas that I never had to do, so I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I get tons of questions each year around match season. How does the soap work? So I know that's a very broad, broad topic, but can you just give us some highlights as to how the soap works and what your advice is for anybody who has to go through the soap?
1: Okay, so... You find out that, you know, Monday morning you didn't get the match. Then they'll say that you're eligible for the soaps. I believe a few hours later, the soap list opens up. So you go to your NRMP and it'll give you a list of the programs that have openings and the number of seats per program. So like for me, it was nine programs that had 13 spots. So there were a few programs that had more than one position open. And you go back to your ERAS and you can resubmit your application to those programs, if you know, which is what I did. You have up to forty-five, a number of 45 programs to submit an application to. So during that process, every, all your information is still saved. But say, for instance, if you want to apply to uh, more than one specialty, I would advise making a personal statement per for those specialties. And you have until three o'clock that day to submit to those programs. And then it opens up the next day. Now, during the time where they have something called the rounds, so that means when programs start sending out offers and making phone calls. I don't think you can submit an application during certain times. So everything is very, very organized and time constrained. So you're going to spend a lot of time looking at your computer, you know, looking at your emails because you'll get an email from a program and it'll look like the spam or whatever, but it'll say like, we need, we would like to talk to you. And, and it's like, huh? So you really have to check your emails, check your spam box because you just never know who gets in contact with you. So I stay glued to my phone, but I submitted, resubmitted to like all 45. I, I use all 45 of it. So I did reapply to internal medicine and um, no, actually I only did one. Mostly it was family medicine and that was the, you know the bulk of it. Okay. But I had to make another personal statement catered to those programs that were not, you know, affiliated with pathology. But I'm glad that it was a path that did call me back. So there's, there's, I believe there's two, two rounds. So you have, you can get phone calls before the rounds. I think the first round starts at 12 o'clock where you'll get an offer. Um, And during that period of time, I don't think you can submit to any programs and then it may open up. Then there's a second round, which is the next day where you get another offer. And then there may be, I think there is a third round, but I, I got an offer during the, the, the second round. So there's, I think mean, there's one at 12 o'clock and one at three o'clock, and then an, another round, like one at 12 and then one at three. And so during those period of times, I don't think you can submit applications. But, but, you know, in some, the soap process, they'll give you direct details and it's very organized and you can't get confused because I matched the first time. I didn't have to do a soap for internal medicine. So I, when I got to this process, I was like, huh, you know what to do? So I just really just stuck to the directions that they, that they sent and, you know, went to my application and was like, okay. And then you don't have to pay to resubmit to these programs because you already have paid for the token and everything. Right. Um, if you did not apply for the main match, but you want to, you know, see if there's other positions open, you do have to pay for your application fee. Okay. So I think that's, that's, that's basically how it works, but it's very organized, very time constraint. You have to really watch your emails, keep your phone on you. Cause if they don't send you an email, they may call you, make sure you download skype or zoom or whatever and cuz they may want to do you know direct so you may have to get up early you know dress like you're actually going to the interview and 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 be prepared. But mine, they just wanted to talk on the phone, so I had a bonnet on and everything when I was on the phone. So yeah. that was good. Yeah. Well, thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks so, those yeah. Those are great points to remember. So you know, some IMGs after they listen to this episode, they're thinking, "Man, I need to connect with that doctor." You know, do you have any platforms that you want to share with us where people can connect and ask you more specific questions?
1: Yes, absolutely. I am on Instagram as Doc Barbie M D. That's D O C B A R B I E, M D on um, Instagram. It's the same as Twitter Doc Barbie M D. I am also on um, Facebook as Dr., which is D-R-B-A-R-B-I-E, um, Dr. Barbie West. It's a childhood sentimental thing. I love Barbie, and I always did as a child. So <laughs> yeah. and I'm also on LinkedIn as Michelle West. I have an M D and an M P H. So I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'm on all all social platform, all social platform. So you can get in contact with me there if you have any questions about study methods, because that's mostly the questions that I get in terms of like, what was my study method for the steps and throughout med school, I'm definitely here to help and help you formulate a study plan in addition to that. And I don't, I don't charge for that. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I don't charge. I'm, I just want to be a good
0: person and just, and just help out. So
1: if you have any questions regarding that, I can definitely be there for you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So we'll include all your information in the show notes of this episode as well. Thank you so much, Dr. West. We appreciate your honesty, your candor. We appreciate you being so open with us. And I think this is going to be one of our most inspiring episodes yet. So we appreciate having you on.
1: Thank you so much for this opportunity.